You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Relationships are hard. All relationships are hard. The ones you currently have are hard. And then there are the ones that you don't have yet that you do want. And they too are hard. Hard because you want something that you don't have and hard because you really, really desire something. And you're trying to figure out when, at what moment, God is going to give you those things. Uh, The current moment that we find ourselves in has shaken some things when it comes to relationships and all things love. Because of this, it seems to have produced desperate measures in some of us. Isn't that right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And so what we found is that in this time, in this season, in this moment that we face in our time, so many divorces or desire for divorce has happened. Uh, The desire to find companionship has led some of us to do things that we wouldn't normally do and sacrifice certain values that we wouldn't normally sacrifice in order to find companionships. And then there are parents and kids struggling how to love each other. As parents, we are struggling how to love our children. Uh, Now more than ever, they are home. Home has become the office, it has become the school, it has become the gymnasium, it has become the cafeteria, it has become the rec room, it has become the video game room, it has become all the things because now more than ever we are home. And if it's friendship, we're trying to figure out how to support one another when deep down we know we all desperately need and desire support in a time like this. How, as a friend, can you support someone else when you know that you are hurting inside? Or how can you be supportive? How can you receive support? These are all things that we're trying to figure out. And what I find is that this moment and what's really happening is it's almost like we've put everything into a pressure cooker And what happens is is when we put everything into the pressure cooker, we put gasoline on the pressure cooker, and then we turn the pressure pressure cooker on high, and then we leave it on for several days or until it explodes because that's exactly what's happening right now when it comes to relationships. We're all in a pressure cooker of life trying to figure out how to navigate relationships. And I say that we're in a pressure cooker because relationships have always been hard to navigate. When you look through the scripture, when you look through the pages of God's word, you see that relationships have always been hard. It's not just a pandemic that makes relating hard. It's actually been hard from the beginning. If you remember Adam and Eve, they had a fractured relationship with each other and God uh, redeemed it. He clothed them. He rebuilt the relationship. Uh, But then there was Abraham and Sarah. They were trying to figure out how to navigate through marriage hardship and infertility. If you remember, Abraham tried to actually deny that he knew his wife. I mean, that is pretty crazy when you think about it, to deny 
that your wife is your wife and to deny that you are married at all. I'm sure that caused a huge fracture in the relationship. And then you add infertility into that relationship and the things that they were struggling through in that moment. And I'm sure it made their marriage super hard. Noah had a tough relationship with one of his kids and ended up cursing him. Jacob and Esau were brothers who fought. Moses had a hard time leading his people and trying to figure out the relational dynamic that comes with leadership. Joseph had a hard time with his brothers, and I'm assuming that you would have a hard time with your siblings if they left you for dead or sold you into slavery, because that's what happened to Joseph. Tamar was raped and taken advantage of sexually by her half-brother. David took advantage of Bathsheba and then killed her husband, trying to cover it up. I could go forever about the relational breakdowns in the Old Testament, but then there's also some in the New Testament. Some might think that once we get to the New Testament, once Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament, that that's when relationships good, that's when things start to get better. But if you remember, the disciples constantly fought with each other. They were constantly competing about who might be the best and who might be better and who might be the most loved and who might be the fastest. They were constantly in a fight. And then Paul, Paul parted ways with Barnabas because of a ministry disagreement. And then the whole church was divided racially at one point. Sometimes we forget uh, that racism existed within the church in the New Testament church. And so there was a time when the whole church was divided uh, racially. And then Peter had a moment of racism in his own life where he too was having relational problems because of racism. Bottom line, when it comes to relationships, they have always been hard. And one of the reasons that they are hard is because the enemy wants to do whatever he can to distort any relationship we have. All relationships are hard because the enemy knows the plans that God has behind relationships. If you've ever read John 13, 34 through 35, this is what Jesus says about love and about relationships. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so what's happening here is that Jesus has this plan for his people. He has this plan for his church that they would be a people of love. And as a result, the church would be a house of love. And the beautiful thing about this love is that this love would turn into light and then the light would shine in the world. And when the world looks back at the church, which looks back at the people of love and sees the light of love, that they would see the love of Jesus in and through the church. And the enemy knows this. And so even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of fractured relationships, even in the midst of a fractured culture, even in the midst of a fractured church, the enemy wants to do whatever he can to thwart God's plans when it comes to relationships. He knows that the love of humans is the light of the world, and he wants to do whatever he can to distort that love, therefore distorting 
relationships. We are supposed to be a people of love. Therefore, you and I, his church, should be a house of love. And one of the ways that the enemy wants to distort relationships and wants to hinder relationships and wants to bring conflict to all relationships is he wants to present fear into the equation of relationships. He wants to cause all of our relationships to have fear in the equation. So in your friendships or lack of friendships or your romantic relationships or parent-kid relationships, married couples, whatever the relationship is, he's going to push fear into the equation in some way, shape, or form. And so as we continue this series, House of Love, we will get practical in addressing some of the pain points that come with relationships and trying to figure out how we can have kingdom-centered, God-centered relationships. But for this week, for this moment, as we spend our time together, I want to attack some of the fears that can be associated with all things relationship, therefore all things love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so according to this, the enemy knows that where the presence of fear is, there is the distortion of love. And so if there is fear in the picture... If there's fear in the equation, then he knows that love will be distorted. So with any kind of relationship, whether it's marriage, dating, parenting, kid, friendship, or any other ship you can think of, the enemy hates it when God's people love each other like Jesus Therefore, they are the light of Jesus, and he wants to do whatever he can do to attack those relationships, to attack love in those relationships, therefore bringing fear into the relationship, therefore attacking the relationship. So the first area of attack that the enemy wants to attack is our hope. He wants to attack our hope. Have you ever said to yourself, it'll never happen When it comes to a relationship or things will never change or here's a bigger one they will never change i know i've thought that often maybe you've been brave enough to even say i will never change if you desperately desire a relationship of any kind the enemy is going to do whatever he can to attack the hope that you have in each and every relationship. And if he's going to attack the hope in every relationship, he's also going to attack our hope in hopes that one day we will have a certain relationship. He wants us to believe. He wants me to believe. He wants you to believe that it will never happen. Things will never change. They will never change. You will never change. And everything is going to stay the same. Additionally, he's going to try to convince us that God doesn't want you and I to have good and healthy relationships. How crazy is that? That The enemy wants to convince us that God doesn't want 
us to have good and healthy relationships. We know this to be false because God has said from the beginning, Genesis 2.18, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And so the context here is the context of marriage, but this side of the kingdom, this side of the church, and this side being God's people, the community of God, God desperately desires for his people to be connected in deep, meaningful, and loving relationships. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I believe that God wants you to experience his love in relationships more than you do. And so if there's anything in your heart that you desire when it comes to relationships, maybe you desire a friendship, maybe you desire a certain relationship as a parent or as a child with your parent, maybe you desire an actual dating relationship, maybe you desire to be engaged, maybe you desire to be married, maybe you even just desire to be a parent. You desperately want to be a parent. At the core of each one of these desires, how crazy is it to know that God wants those things for you more than you want those things for yourself? Here's the deal with God. He doesn't create and withhold. He creates and blesses. He creates and blesses. He creates and blesses. The God of the universe doesn't want to create and withhold. That's not how he treats his kids. He gives his kids good gifts. Isn't that what it says in Luke's gospel? That the father wants to give good gifts to his children. And the enemy wants to do whatever he can to make us be hopeless. To make us be without hope. To make us think that God doesn't want these things for us. And that God's not going to do these things for us in his time. He wants to kill our hope because he knows the absence of hope leads to fear. So let me ask this question. How is your hope? Have you given up on hope of that friendship? Have you given up that hope on a relationship with your parents as a kid? Have you given up hope on being a parent that has kids? Have you given up hope when it comes to dating or trying to find some sort of spouse or companionship? Have you given up on your marriage? Maybe you want your marriage to be different. Maybe you want your marriage to be rooted and founded in the love of God, but you're growing impatient and therefore you are growing hopeless rather than hopeful. The enemy wants to kill our hope because he knows the absence of hope leads to fear. Another thing the enemy wants to attack is our patience. He wants to attack our patience. When he attacks our patience, we start to think that things are up to us. We start saying, it's up to me or I'll do it. Whenever you pour into the scriptures, you see a common theme among the people of God. God promises something to his people, and his people lack the patience to wait on the promise. God promises something to his people, for his people, and his people lack the patience to wait for 
the promise. And I get it. Waiting on God is one of the hardest things that we will ever do in our lives. It is so hard to wait on God. But when you look in a scripture, you see story after story of people giving up on the promises that God extended to them, becoming impatient, and taking matters into their own hands. And what this does, rather than accepting the covenantal promise that God gives his people, we step into compromise. So rather than waiting on what God has promised in covenant, we step into compromise. And then we start pursuing things in our own ways, in our own methods, apart from how God wants us to pursue things and what God wants us to pursue. Maybe it's pursuing someone who might not have the same values that you have. Maybe it's trying to find a relationship outside the will of God or the ways of God. One of the interesting things about God is that he is love. If God is love, then how are we going to find loving relationships outside of God or outside the ways of God? One of the things you'll see in scripture is that people become impatient and therefore they take matters into their own hands. We will be tempted to do the same. When it comes to dating in this generation, I really do feel for this generation. I remember starting dating in my own life. We had so many good options when it came to dating. We always had the option of youth group. And if youth group was a bus, then we would get older and grow into the church. And if church was a bus, there was always some sort of Christian ministry or Christian organization on campus. And if that didn't work, there was a million other options. And now there's all kinds of dating options that might not necessarily be good for God's people. The enemy knows that if he can bring fear in the picture, if he can get us fearful and not wait on God, then he knows he can undo anything that God has for us and he can cause us to compromise. Rather than waiting on God to do it, he makes us think that we can do it. And when it comes to godly relationships, there's no way that we can find godly relationships outside the love of God and the ways of God. When it comes to our lives, the enemy is going to do everything he can to make us take matters into our own hands. So when it comes to your life, are there things that you have done in your past, relationships that you've had in your past, where you have taken matters into your own hands, therefore they ended up being dead in? Have you ever had a moment where you decided to go one way when you knew God was calling you to do the other thing? And rather than waiting on the promise, you stepped into the compromise because you lacked patience. The enemy wants to do whatever he can to make us compromise rather than wait on the promises that God has for us. So the enemy is going to attack our hope. He's going to attack our patience. And the last thing the enemy wants to attack is our connectedness, our connectedness. 
Now more than ever, I hear people say things like, no one knows what I'm going through. No one gets what I'm feeling. No one understands the pain I have. No one understands anything that I'm feeling. Or maybe someone suggested, have you tried this or have you tried that? And now more than ever, people respond with, no, that won't work for me. No, that won't work for me either. For whatever reason, the enemy has tricked us all into thinking that we are the only one going through anything that we're going through and that we are the only ones who have ever experienced what we're going through. And he does this because he knows that he can win if he makes us feel isolated. If he can make us think that we are isolated, alone, and on an island, then he can have his way with our life. If you think back to the garden, he waited until he could get Eve alone in order to tempt her to compromise. He waited until she was alone. Uh, Recently, I've been enjoying taking uh, my thoughts and ideas around sermon series to the mean streets of Instagram. And one of the things I love is that people are very eager to respond and give feedback and help me form the sermon series that we do. And when it came time to doing a series on relationships, I went to Instagram and I asked a few questions and I loved the responses I got. Some people were so honest. So people were so open. Some people were very, 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 very open with the things that they were struggling with and some of the things that they were having a hard time with. And to be honest, when I started to prepare for this sermon series, I think I would have jumped in and we would have done a day on dating. We would have done a day on singleness. We would have done a day on how to be married. We would have done a day on how to be parents or a day on this type of relationship or a day on that type of relationship. And what I would have done is taken everything and divided it over the course of a few weeks. But what I found is that we are actually more united in our pain than we realize. We're more united in the feelings that we have when it comes to relationships than we realize. Therefore, it would be a huge disjustice to divide the church up based off of what season that we're in, when in fact, as it turns out, maybe we are all in the same boat. Maybe we're all experiencing some of the same pains. Maybe we're all going through and trying to figure out how to navigate the same struggles, but it might just be in different circumstances. Let me explain. Take loneliness for example. We had so many people who were single and haven't quite yet found someone in their life tell me that they had deeply desired companionship. They deeply desired intimacy of a spouse or deeply desired the relationship that comes from having someone to date or get to know over time. But the interesting thing I found that when I went to the responses from married couples, they too were struggling through the same things. They too were struggling with loneliness. They too were struggling with how to connect, how to have companionship, how to have intimacy. And even more awkwardly, 
married couples are stuck with each other. And so what are the possibilities of experiencing companionship, therefore not experiencing loneliness, if you are stuck with one person for the rest of your life? And so whether they were single or whether they were dating or whether someone was married, they were all struggling with loneliness. Another pain point expressed was dating. How in the world do you date? How in the world do you pursue someone? How in the world do you do this in the midst of a pandemic? This was such a great question that received such great answers from the people. So if you're single and dating, how do you do this? How does it happen? What does it look like? But what I found is that the married people were asking the same questions. They too are trying to figure out how to date. Just because someone is married doesn't guarantee that there will be dating and pursuit that takes place. And so whether someone was single or whether they were trying to jump into a relationship or they were married, we were all struggling with trying to figure out how to date someone in general, but also in the midst of a pandemic. Additionally, both sides ask questions about purity. How do you stay pure? What do you do with sexual desire? If you're single, just because you're single doesn't mean that you don't have sexual desire. So both sides are trying to struggle through purity and struggle through desire. One of the craziest things about marriage is that sexual desire doesn't go away or get easier with marriage. And so whether you're single, whether you're dating, or whether you're married, we are all struggling to try to figure out how to maintain purity when it comes to ourselves and when it comes to presenting our lives as a living sacrifice unto God. Didn't matter which season we were in, purity was something we are all struggling through. Purity is something we're all trying to figure out how to navigate through. And then there's pursuit. There were people who were single or were trying to figure out dating life and they just simply wanted to be pursued. And then I would jump over to the answers from married couples and it would be the same thing. Most marriages and most people in marriages, they just simply wanted to be pursued. Just because someone was married doesn't mean that they were experiencing the pursuit of a spouse. So all that to say is that we are more in common and more united in our struggles than we realize. And the enemy wants us to do everything he can to make us think that we are alone. And here's why, because he knows that our isolation will end in desolation. He knows that if he can convince us that we are alone, then he has us right where he wants us. We are more united in our pain. We are more united in our feelings. And we are more united in our struggles than we ever realize. The enemy wants to attack our hope. He wants to attack our patience. And he wants to attack our connectedness. He wants to do all of this because he knows that there is no fear in love. Therefore, he wants to put the fear in love. 
He knows that he wants to drive fear into our relationships and fear into our hearts and fear into our minds because he knows that if he can do that, then he can distort the house of love, therefore distort the light of love for all to see. So let me ask you this. What has he gotten you afraid of? What are you doubting? What has caused you to give up faith in a God who wants good and healthy relationships for you? He wants this for you more than you do. Not to mention, we don't have to compromise. He'll do it. He'll do everything. He'll put you right in the right place. He will do all the hefty living if you can just follow and trust him. And then lastly, you are not alone. Even more than we have each other, we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus, and he wants to do the hard work of relationships in our hearts because he has gone through hard relationships in his life when he walked this earth. If it was betrayal, he went through it. If it was trying to figure out family dynamics, he went through it. If it was friendships, he went through it. Whatever it was, however it was, he has gone before us. He has gone through it. Therefore, he can go through it with us. He knows exactly what we're experiencing. He knows exactly what we're struggling with. But even more than that, he knows that he is the source of love. Therefore, he wants his people to experience good and healthy, loving relationships so that our love can be a light unto the world. And then he knows that the world's going to look in and they're going to be like, oh man, that's how you do it. That's how you have loving relationships. That's how you love someone. That's how you date. That's how you befriend. That's how you do marriage. That's how you develop intimacy. That's how you maintain a commitment. That's how you do it. And I want what they have. Can you imagine if the world thought that about the church? How different would our culture be? How different would our world be? I know that God wants to do it, and I know he wants to use you and I to be a light of love for all to see. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your example. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you are the source of love. Therefore, if we are to have hopes of loving relationships in our life, We've got to stay close to you, and we've got to stay close to your people. And from that flows all good and healthy relationships. Father, I just pray that if if we've lost hope, that you would restore hope. If we've lost patience, that you would restore patience. And then if we feel alone and we lack connectedness in our heart, God, would you restore our hearts so that we won't feel isolated? Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. 
A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.